absolute amazement that I could endure what I endured to give birth to him because it certainly wasn't easy. And women possess this enormous power unknowingly until the moment of pregnancy and birth. And it has been this way all throughout history. So we are full of so much strength. All of the things you desire on the outside, health, wealth, success, community, and making a difference begins from your ability to cultivate a positive mind. In this show, we will delve into different strategies and tips to help you show up daily as the best possible version of you. Each episode, a guest or an insight will help you achieve the winning mindset you need for your dreams to come alive. Welcome to Inner Winner, and this is your host, Linda Houston. Welcome to another episode of Inner Winner, and it's a continuation of this series that I had the pleasure of being part of together with Women's Federation for World Peace, where we explore the topic of work-life balance and being a modern woman, if it's a myth or not. And it was a three-part series. The first one explored the balance between being a woman leader and the feminine energy. And the second part, which is the part I'm sharing with you here today, was about balancing motherhood and womanhood. I had the pleasure of being a speaker during this conference. And in general, I think it's an amazing insight into the struggle of being a mom and also finding yourself and taking the time to take care of yourself and seeing that not as a last resort but actually as a priority something that you must prioritize as a mom as a strategy even for being a good mom and this episode in particular is very personal personal and very relatable in that sense and so the feedback that I've heard since the conference is that this particular episode was very heartwarming because even though all of the speakers, they have achieved some level of success in their careers, in their businesses, um, and in general who are very ambitious and driven ladies, but what they have in common is motherhood and the struggles of motherhood, which every woman who becomes a mother goes through. And so I invite you today to take part in this very special episode, a continuation of this conference series. Enjoy. My name is Miti Toma. I am the president of Women's Federation here in the UK and the vice president of Women's Federation in Europe. It is my honor to have this opportunity to facilitate the second part of this uh, series. So we will start with our first speaker, uh, Dr. Gemma Munro. She is an uplifting, award-winning speaker with a PhD in performance psychology. Gemma is a classically trained singer. Uh, Gemma was the founder of Inkling Women, now Inkling Group, known for its work across Australia, Asia, and the UK and rapidly lifting the percentage of women at leadership levels. 
Gemma lives in Adelaide Hills in South uh, Australia with her partner and their three exceptionally loving, sometimes exhausting and usually hungry blended tribe of three children and five chickens. I want to start just by very briefly talking a little bit about who I am, not to blow my own trumpet in any way, but I do think it's important to contextualize some of the information I give you today um, in terms of where I am relatively expert and where I absolutely am not. So I want to be really clear, I'm not a parenting expert. I have read some parenting books, yes, but that does not an expert make. I am, however, a mother. I have uh, my own two beautiful children who are nearly 13 and nearly 10, and now my eight-year-old stepson. Um, where I do think I bring uh, some expertise is in the area of women and work. So in 2011, I started a business that I've now happily sold, and our whole purpose was to lift the percentage of women at leadership level. And we got to work with Google in Silicon Valley and PayPal in Singapore and um, Vodafone and Qantas in Sydney and the NHS in the UK. We were everywhere. We had a ball and we did some really, really good work. So 60% of the women who worked with us actually received a promotion within six months. And so where I think I bring um, some expertise to the table is in having worked with tens of thousands of women on what is standing in their way of creating either a sense of balance or joy or success. And that's work I continue to do today. So working with people very closely and deeply on the blocks that are standing in their way of deep abundance and joy and love and meaning. Um, oh, little, little caveat before we get into the topic, I might every now and then say a word that I don't think it's going to be desperately naughty, but just in case if you've got little kids around, you may want to put on some earbuds or headphones. Um, I, I have to say, when I looked at what I was going to share with you today, I looked at the topic of balancing womanhood and motherhood, and I started to feel a little uneasy and I couldn't quite work out why um, and in the end I realized it was because I don't fully agree that it's something we should aim to do and it felt a little bit like I was being invited to a dinner party and rocking up and going I'm sorry I don't like dinner but I was assured that it was okay for me to share my views and to dispute the topic even I am not going to dispute the topic itself because I actually think, having done some research, having sat with it for quite a while, I actually think that we can achieve some kind of balance, our own kind of balance when it comes to balancing womanhood and motherhood. But I don't think it's something we can do actively. I don't think it's something we should seek. I don't think it's something that in the moment we can say, yes, I'm achieving balance. And the reason I don't think that may be a little um, controversial because I actually think balance is overrated. The whole notion of balance for me is overrated. If you are having amazing sex, are you 
there thinking, oh my gosh, I feel so balanced right now. Um, even the, the activities that we associate with balance, like meditation, and I meditate every morning, I have never caught myself thinking, I feel so balanced right now. I catch myself thinking I feel blissful or peaceful or aligned. Um, in other situations, I'll feel passionate um, or connected. Balance is not something we're actually aiming for. I think it's a byproduct. It's an end result of navigating our lives and navigating parenthood in quite a specific way. I think balance actually is achieved when moment by moment we are tuning into our own inner wisdom to find out what is needed in that moment. And what is needed in any given moment will be wildly different. There are sometimes, particularly when you've got babies, there are sometimes where aiming for survival is like brilliant. <laughs> Having a shower is an achievement. Um, there are some situations where you prioritize your friendships or you prioritize your work or you prioritize your pleasure. There are some situations where you put parenting above all of those things and we can't tell which to prioritize. We can't tell which to focus on unless we're tuning in here. Um, and I do think as a 94-year-old or a 108-year-old, sitting back on your rocking chair, reflecting on your life, I don't think most of us will feel a great sense of joy and pride if we go, oh, I lived a balanced life. I think we want to live a passionate life. I think we want to live a meaningful life, a joyful life, a life where we feel like we made our own contribution. Um, and just on the topic of balance being different in different moments, I, I've got a little confession to make. And actually, it's not a confession at all because this was needed in the moment. Um, it was just last night, actually. Um, my uh, original tribe and I, my two kids and I, um, we have relatively recently uh, moved in together with my gorgeous partner and his gorgeous son who it's like we eat relatively healthily and we always have, but they just take it up to the next level. And also they're chatters. And my kids and I really love solitude and quiet. And so last night we had the opportunity, it was just the three of us. I picked up my son from band and my daughter was in the back seat. And we went, you know what? We are going to get drive through at Hungry Jack's, which is Burger King for all you non-Aussies. Um, and we're going to listen to the lion, the witch and the wardrobe all the way home. And we're then going to go into our separate bedrooms and just be, you know, my daughter read, my son did her homework and went on screen time. I watched a TV series. Uh, and that in that moment was balance. Mm. I think in terms of why we don't tune in, into our inner wisdom and why we try to grasp onto balance instead of going actually what's needed in this moment and tuning in within i think it happens to most of us we become mothers or we know we're about to become mothers and suddenly we start seeking wisdom outwardly 
we start reading all the books and this is how you put your baby to sleep and um, this is the pram to buy and this is what um, so-and-so did when her kid had colic etc etc and I want to be really clear here I'm not saying that we don't do our research but the fact is that parenthood it's messy <laughs> and it's complex and life continues to happen as we parent and so as we parent we will find ourselves navigating huge change grief change of career direction for some of us marital issues marital breakdowns affairs like life happens and mm -hmm. I think we get lulled into this sense of it's okay, there's a how-to manual for how to parent. And there actually isn't. There's lots of great information, yes. But when we start to rely on outward advice and outward direction, a couple of things happen. The first is that um, we start to rely on the mind, which of course is brilliant. I'm sure you are all absolutely brilliant. But when it comes to making decisions about parenting or life or work or anything, the mind is this incredibly wonderful machine that focuses on making us feel as least scared as possible and as most rational as possible. And when it comes to making big decisions in big moments, this gets in our way. This tells us, hey, do what was done before. And so we end up living a life that doesn't feel balanced and it doesn't feel like our own. The second reason is that when we do look for um, advice outwards and wisdom outwards, we tend to make decisions that others would have made. And if I look back at the number one regret I've been told by women and actually men, it's that they lived a life where they were tapped on the shoulder by someone and they went, oh, I'll go here. Or um, someone said, hey, why don't you try this? And they said, yep, that's fine. And they made their decision based on what others would have decided for them. They ended up living a life that others would have lived instead of their own. So I do think that balance is possible, but it's only possible when we're not seeking it and instead we're tuned into the moment and tuned into our own internal compass. And I know myself, I have done things that most people go, what on God's green earth are you doing? So I, I started a business when I had two kids under three and two mortgages and my partner at the time wasn't earning a regular income. And I left a marriage and I started another partnership and they were all incredibly hard decisions. And they were all decisions that probably society and others and external wisdom would have gone, yeah, that might not work out for you. But in the end, all those choices, because they were led from my own internal compass, were the right choices, not just for myself, but for my children. And for those of you who are having to make incredibly tough decisions that will in the short term affect your children, I just would love you to play with the concept that what is in your highest good and what will help you grow as a person will actually end up being in the highest good for your children. And you can choose the dirty pain of being stuck or the clean pain of growing. Um, this sort of pain, children will go through either pain. This sort of pain is where they grow too. So I've found over the years that whatever is in your highest good 
is nearly always, in fact, I think it's always in the highest good of the close people around you, even if it's hard in the beginning. So I would love to give you just a little bit of a toolkit for tuning into your own internal compass so that you can make decisions that moment by moment, make sure that by the end of your month or your year or your life, you go, actually, that was pretty balanced. Um, the first one, it actually involves choosing the right kind of fear. So go with me just for a minute. I'd love you to imagine, and this is an analogy I've drawn from Martha Beck. I would love you to imagine that you are climbing up this big ladder and stepping out onto a diving board. And you're walking out, 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 and you're looking down and you are about to dive into a pool of toxic sludge. Now, I'd love to ask you, what's the feeling in your body when you're up high on diving platform about to dive into a pool of toxic sludge? Most people say it's like an, ugh, like an icky feeling. Their whole body wants to contract away from that. Imagine again, you're on a different diving platform. So again, you've gone up this long ladder. You're on the diving platform looking down. This time you're about to dive into a pool of sparkling, clear blue water. And I'd love you to feel into what the feeling in your body is for that. Most people say there, it's like a, whew, kind of like um, <laughs> naked in a stiff breeze, like you're scared, but you're also slightly exhilarated. I have found that in any given moment, if you can choose what makes you feel that slight fear, yes, but exhilaration, that tends to lead you towards what is needed in that moment. That tends to lead you towards the right decision, which then inevitably over time creates balance in your life. Another tool. If you can, without feeling stupid, feel free to not do this if it doesn't work, but I'd love you to close your eyes and I'd love you to say in your head over and over, I love nausea. I love nausea, I love nausea, and pay attention to what happens from the neck down. Most people will feel something in their bodies. It's not what's going on in your head, it's what you feel from the neck down. And this is your body sign for no. So keep your eyes closed because I'm gonna get you to do one more thing in a tick. But just so you know, some people will feel a contraction of the stomach, a tension in the shoulders. Let's try again, I love nausea, I love nausea. Now, try with the phrase, I love fresh air. I love fresh air and see what the body does from the neck down with that one. I know for me, my heart opens. It's like my whole chest area expands and my stomach relaxes and my shoulders drop. And that is the sign for yes. So in any given moment, you can follow your own internal compass by saying, which is the right choice now? And playing it out in your mind and there might be a choice of um, prioritizing work over parenting, for instance, just to give a very generalized example, and your body contracts for that. Your body gives you a no, and it'll be a yes for the other. I found that way of making decisions as to what's needed in the moment, that helps provide a life that feels so full and meaningful and joyful, but also balanced. But you can see it's really different from going, 
how can I get balance in this moment? That, that is a mind activity that will lead you towards making the safest choice. This tuning into the body leads you towards making the right choice that will, as a wonderful side effect, result in some kind of balance for you and for your family. And then the last two I want to give you is a foolproof question I use, um, which is if I've got a tough decision to make and I know it will affect my children, I actually imagine them in the situation, in my exact situation, when they're my exact age. And I ask the question, what would I want them to do? And so often I've seen um, parents go, right, I'm a parent now. And so I will lay down who I am and I'll always, always put my children first when actually the way to put our children first is to ensure we are concentrating on our own growth and a foolproof way of making sure we're doing that is by putting them in the situation and asking what would we want them to do so I hope that is helpful um, I would love to answer your questions and I'm hoping you're on Instagram because I'm on there a lot I'm at Dr Gemma Munro and in the next week I will go on there with uh, Q&A's in my stories. So I'll leave a space for you to ask a question and uh, then I'll reply with an answer to each of your questions probably early next week. All right, I'm sending much love from the Adelaide Hills and I will speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Gemma. So to our next speaker, we are going to invite uh, Maria Torreson. She has been together with her husband for the past 11 years. She has two children, the age of six and four. She's the secretary of the Women's Federation in Norway. She works part-time as a daycare assistant. Maria is an avid volunteer, which I can vouch for. She's always volunteering her time and a, a budding writer. She has a bachelor's degree in international relations. She moved to Norway in 2011. So the floor is yours, Maria. As was said, my name is Maria and I'm originally from the US, but I'm now living in Norway with my family. And my bio was pretty small compared to these other rock star ladies on the panel, but I am also a mother. So I felt this, this topic really called to me. I have two young boys and I learned the hard way how important it is to take care of myself as a woman and as a mother. So I wanted to share today a little bit of my own journey and I really liked what the previous speaker said because the goal wasn't to find balance, the goal was to find joy, but as a result, balance was achieved. So becoming a mother was a life-changing moment for me holding that child in my arms for the first time, I felt a sense of camaraderie with all the mothers who had come before me and all the mothers alive today. Something in me had changed and I knew I was going to spend the rest of my life loving this little baby in my arms. It was a beautiful moment, but it was also so easy to let that feeling take over. I insisted on doing everything by myself. I was determined to be the best mother in every way. I couldn't trust anyone else to take care of my child. So I took 
all the night wakings. I spent hours singing him to sleep every day. I refused to give him formula. I took him to all his doctor's appointments myself, despite struggling to understand what was being said. I'm in Norway after all, they, sp they spoke Norwegian to me and I'd only just finished the higher level Norwegian courses when I got pregnant. So I hadn't actually begun to use the language actively yet. One of the only things I let my husband do was cut the baby's nails because he's got 20-20 vision and I definitely do not. <laughs> Looking back, it was insane and no one was better for it. I felt the consequences relatively early besides being a sleep deprived zombie for the first year or so. At four months, I got lumbago, which is a scientific word for really bad lower back pain. Norwegian has a, a much nicer word for this called hexiskud, which literally translated means a witch shot, which is what it felt like. It felt like my lower back had been shot by a bolt of lightning. I was fine one moment and then I was crumpled in pain the next. I couldn't even roll over without excruciating pain. I was completely incapacitated and bedridden for days. We called a doctor to our home. He gave me some very powerful pain medicine and then told me I couldn't nurse my child while the medicine was still in my body because it would be harmful for the baby. And this was at four months, so he wasn't on solids yet. For the first time in my very short journey as a mother, I had to ask for help a lot. And you know what? Help was there. My husband, his, his parents, friends, neighbors, they all stepped up to help. It took a few months for my back to heal. So I had to continue to ask for help for an extended period of time. And I realized two things at that time, that I don't have to do this by myself. Motherhood is not a one person show. And ignoring my own well-being does not make me a better mother. It did the opposite, in fact. I couldn't really be a very good mother being stuck in bed all day long. I gained 22 kilos while pregnant, and as a new mom, feeling exhausted all the time, I found myself grabbing the chocolates and sugary drinks more than I should. Little by little, healthier habits helped me lose a little bit of weight here and there, but I found that I gained the weight back periodically anyway. I thought I could do it all by myself, but it just wasn't working. Finally, I took the plunge and did the C9. After completing the Clean 9 program, which is a 9-day cleansing plan made by fitness and health experts and nutritionists based around Forever's best-selling aloe vera gel, I lost 14 centimeters around my waist. I felt energized, strong. I went jogging 3 kilometers on the 9th day, which was huge for me. I loved the way I looked and was excited for what was to come. It definitely became the catalyst for my fitness journey that has now made me lose all of the excess weight and come back to my normal size in less than two months since the cleanse. This month, 20 amazing people who are committed to their physical transformation and mindset shift will be coached through the C9 program by me and have the chance to be part of an incredible community at the same time. I will work closely with these people, scheduling 
in one-on-one calls before we begin to be able to meet your specific fitness goals and budget. In the Facebook group Transforming Together C9, you will find your accountability buddies who are with you on your journey toward physical transformation, sharing your experiences together, recipe ideas, snack ideas, and other tips and tricks. And I will come online for additional support and motivation every day. To claim your spot, email me at innerwellnesswoman at gmail.com, subject line C9. I'll say that again. Email me at innerwellnesswoman at gmail.com, subject line C9. So from that time on, I became a little better at leaning on others and asking for help. I also got a membership at the local indoor pool and started going once in a while. Oh, I could only last for about 15 minutes and I still struggled to make it a priority. So I only really went when my back was getting really bad again. But they were my first baby steps, my first steps to trying to do something for me. A few months later, I went out, bought some clothes to fit my new post-baby body. And it was around then that I started noticing that what I put on my body affects how I feel about myself and that a few small changes can start to make a big difference. So fast forward two years and a second child later, I was suffering from chronic back pain because you know, old habits die hard. Even though I was a little better, I was still trying to do too much. I also had very low energy and I was just kind of down all the time. I could function and I did my best to be the best mother I could be, but I wasn't happy. It felt like I was eternally stressed and tired and I had no one to blame. My husband is incredibly helpful and supportive. My in-laws are kind and generous. I just felt blah. And it took my grandfather passing away for me to wake up and ask myself, what am I doing? Life is far too precious to waste in wallowing in self-pity. So I started to make some more changes. I invested into a style program to help me create my own personal style. I know it seems kind of superficial, but it felt like an easy place to start that would give me a quick result. What I didn't expect was a growing sense of confidence in myself as a woman and being and feeling at peace with my body. I then combined that with the Marie Kondo method to clean up my wardrobe, keeping only the things that spark joy. And these seemingly superficial changes caused a chain reaction for me to work on the other areas of my life. I started gaining a stronger sense of what sparks joy for me and what brings me down. So, for example, even in a perfectly clean and spotless state, my home did not spark any joy. So, I got the inspiration to ask a good friend to help me to figure out how I could redesign my home without buying anything new into a place that I would love being. And then once I started enjoying my home, I started realizing, actually, we need to move up soon. We need to expand soon. I started getting stressed about finances because at the time we were living in a one bedroom apartment with a baby and a toddler. So it was tight but we couldn't get a new house because of the finances 
and I was stressed. So then I invested in a money course. And not, off, not, sorry, not long after that, I managed to get a part-time job that worked perfectly with our schedule. Around the same time I got my job, I realized that my health was still holding me back and bringing me down. I just didn't have the energy to work and parent. So I signed up for a free six-week health course. I was the youngest person there as the course was mostly comprised of pensioners, but I dealt with it because my health was worth it. And that course connected me to both a physical therapist and a nutritionist. From there, I managed to change my diet and start working out regularly. And it started snowballing pretty quickly from there. We bought our dream home. I got rid of my chronic back pain and went down a clothing size, size. And with all this newfound energy, I started looking towards the future, what kind of life I want to be living. A colleague in some of the volunteer work I do connected me to a life coach. And with this, I started connecting all the dots to create the life I've always wanted. I hardly recognize my life right now. Six years ago, I couldn't have been able to imagine the amount of joy life has to offer. Now, I look forward to traveling on this life journey and all it has to bring. It was mentioned in my bio that I'm a budding author, that actually it's been a lifelong dream to, to write a book. And it was just this year that I just sat down and said, if I don't start writing, it's never gonna get finished. So that's been an exciting development this year for me. And then some of you might be wondering what happened to the kids in all this. I've mostly been talking about my own journey as a woman, gaining confidence, feeling beautiful, changing my life. But here's the thing about being a mother. Everything you do affects the family. And as I've grown healthier and happier, so has my family. My husband is less stressed. My kids are more secure and confident. Some of the changes were easy and some of them were a little harder. My kids had a hard time accepting me going out to work out because it meant that once or twice a week for a couple hours that I would be out in the evening. With my part-time job, I couldn't always work out when they were in daycare, but they were also my main motivation for working out. I want to become healthy because I want to live a good long life by their side. I want to be there for them as they grow. I want to be able to play with my grandchildren if I'm lucky enough to have them. So the first couple times I left them screaming and crying in my husband's very capable hands, I trusted him and I knew he could manage for an hour or so without me. It still hurt, but I knew why I was doing it and I clung to that. And I would give them a hug and a kiss goodnight when I got back. Now, because of sticking to it then and kind of just going through the, the growing pains at that moment, I can go out for hikes and bike rides with my kids. We can go to an amusement park as a family and I can keep up with them all day long, which I wouldn't have been able to do before. So I found my balance when I look back and it wasn't about sacrificing one for the other because I feel like being a great mother and being and really having a really fulfilling life should support and uplift each other. Wanting to become the best mother I could be was my main motivation for working on myself. 
And being healthier and happier and more fulfilled gives me the energy and the patience to be a better mom. I encourage all the moms listening today to take that first baby step, whether that means putting away all the clothes that take up space in your closet because they no longer fit anymore, or finally signing up for that gym membership, or taking that course, or saying no to that extra commitment that someone is asking you to do that you just don't have the time and energy for. I'm still working on that one. <laughs> your health and sanity, happiness and family are worth it. Thank you so much, Maria. That was amazing. It was just so uh, relatable. Um, I remember when I was a, a young mum thinking the same things. What really brings joy to me and also how much I felt the importance of the cooperation between um, the father figure in the relationship was so needed. Because uh, coping as a mother is very tough, uh, hard and uh, needs a lot of uh, investment. The children expect a lot from the mother. But also having your husband next to you and who's willing to help you is so important actually. So thank you very much for sharing. And um, now I would like to invite our uh, um, third speaker, Gail Beryl. She's a motivational speaker, a mindset mentor and well-being expert. She is a UK ambassador for a Psychology Magazine, a publication which inspires and motivates readers to create a life of love. She created her wellness consultancy, a rock side mindset to help women, entrepreneurs and leaders to become the rock stars in their life. I'm really excited about learning how to become a rock star. Welcome, Gail. The floor is yours. Welcome, everyone. Uh, I'm so happy to be here. I'm completely honored. It's such a privilege for me to speak to you right now. So as Mitty um, introduced me, it's true. I'm a motivational speaker. I'm a well-being expert. And I think women leaders to become the rock stars of life. In a nutshell, to be bold and visible, confident, unapologetically in their life, in their business, or in their career. So, Regarding this subject about balance, I find it quite relevant right now with what we're living, with the pandemic and so many things happening, if it's really possible to find a balance. And from my experience, when I started to become a mom, you know, I've got so many news. Um, I was starting a new job in a new company um, with a different culture. And I had a new role. I became a mom. And I remember at this time, I despite being judged. So I set the bar very, very high because there was no way for me to give any ammunition to anyone because I really wanted to be where um, it was the best for me. So in a certain way, when I made this decision, I set the bar so high that nobody was able to keep my pace. Even my husband started to create tension between us. And at work, it was the same. It was a new job, but I was doing well. But I wasn't, I wasn't aware about it because I think in this scenario, really, we have to be honest that women, we have to navigate so many variables and there are so many judgments and preconceptions about us every day that irrespective of you're aware about it or not, it's happening. 
And I think deep down, you know about it. It doesn't mean you know how to get out of it or to, or to live through it, but you know. The problem is, more we accept this situation, more we start to be overwhelmed, overworked, and overtired. And this is what happened. I wasn't even aware about it. I was still in this performance race, hustling, pushing, proving myself that I was the best mom possible and I was very good in my job. And I remember I was also kind of control freak because at the time I put my, my daughter to the nursery. And I was calling the nursery every day at the same time just to ensure that everything was right. And what happened for me really the tipping point was when I got my performance review and it was not the one I was expected. And for me, it was like this day, my, it was like my reality imploded. You know, when you got everything, you overcome so many setbacks and obstacles and you bottle up all these emotions, these strong emotions, and you, you realized that you failed miserably. It wasn't what you were expected at all. And I remember this day, it was such a cataclysm for change for me because it really was cathartic in a way. And I cried so, 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 so much this day. But it was cathartic. I needed to see the truth. I needed to know that radically something needed to change. And he helped me. He helped me to wake up from this reality I created, from this performance race, and really to make a decision to do something completely different. And, you know, it's quite interesting because it's really when I started to slow down, I came across this um, magazine, psychology magazine, for which I, I am an ambassador now. And I remember the dossier was slowing down. Mm. And at the time, even the term, I was, was quite foreign to me. I didn't know how to slow down. But I started to read this magazine and it was really like pure gold in a bottle to understand how I can look after myself, how I can change things around me to feel more aligned with who I am. So this is what I did. It was like being a bit of a detective in a certain way. I stepped back and I started to see all these patterns, all these behaviors I had. And I started to do this work to really be honest with myself. This is a, because I do believe it's a question of honesty and responsibility that we have to see the truth. And to use this energy of truth and say, is it really what you want to get? Is it really true that you have to conform to all these standards? Because to the end of the day, I started to challenge everything. I started to challenge the status quo. Because you do believe that you can let your life dictated by others. And it's key to be aware about it. And your mind sometimes is so focused on the other task, on your to-do list to complete and to move on, that you don't take this time to reflect. So what I want to tell you is I don't believe in this concept of balance. I believe in the concept of well-being and self-care. And I truly believe that when you step back and you take this time really to see your life as it is, where you are, where you want to be, you really are in a position to create more joy, I think more meaning, meaning in your life. And for me, it's starting really from the start that you have to own your inner strengths. If you are a mom, if you are a woman, and you, you're able to do so much for so long, it's because you have this inner strength. And when you look after yourself, 
when you really make your self-care a priority, you can cultivate this inner strength all the time. Mm -hmm. It's not a question of self-care like you can see um, in the industry, like getting your nails done or taking a bath. I'm not talking about it. What I'm talking about is really to be in this situation when you reflect about where you are, where you want to be, what is going on, and to confront your resistance. I'm not going to say that it's necessarily easy, but it's so powerful. And especially now with everything happening around us, we, we have been part and we have been led to reflect on ourselves, to reflect on our life and who we want to be. So my advice for you is really define who you want to be as a woman. Because when you start to do that, you can define yourself as being a mom. And I truly believe that once you do this work of really looking for your identity, mm. everyone around you is going to benefit from your growth. And cultivating your inner strength, your vitality, your leadership is key right now in these unprecedented times. Nothing outside of you is going to confirm that you're safe, that you can stay positive. It's only coming from your heart. And that's why I believe that once you match the strengths of your heart and the strengths of your mind, you can transform your vulnerability into a force. And once you're able to do that, you can feel good and grounded and make yourself a priority. To the point that it's not even a question of balance, it's a question of really being who you are as a woman. So, if you're interested by this concept and you want to know more about it, I'm going to, I'm creating an upcoming workshop, which is called the Ultimate Workshop for Women Leaders, where I'm really helping women leaders to cultivate. It's a question of really cultivate your inner strength. And I'm pretty sure all of you watching me right now, you have this inner strength. The key is to own it and to claim it for yourself. And I really invite you for this workshop that I'm going to do on the 2nd of October. You just need to Google my name and you're going to find my website and you're going to find the access to go to this workshop. Because what I'm going to say, and it's going maybe the last thing, I love Tara Moore and she's a leadership coach. And I met her a few years ago and she said something that truly resonated with me. She said, you know, woman, we are liberated, but we are not empowered. Because if you think about it, there is an overload of judgment and preconception of information and expectation we have for us. And we have to learn to unlearn all of it constantly, daily, and to make our own choices, to make your life, to define your life as you want to. And once you do that, once you really transform your life this way, that you make self-care the bridge between womanhood and motherhood, you're going to see that everything starts to be aligned with who you want to be. Mm -hmm. Everything starts to be aligned with the woman you want to be in your life, in your family, and with your loved ones. It's a question really to step back, to reflect, and to be honest with yourself. I'm not going to say it's necessarily easy, and I truly understand is the inner work but it's priceless because you're going to believe and you're going to see that is that a question of balance it's something again another concept that something tried to convince us that balance is possible 
And because you are a mom, you are a woman, you know deep down it's not possible. Let's be honest about it. So what I want to tell you is cultivate who you are. Cultivate this achievement, your success, even your, your obstacle, your setbacks. This is a phase of growth that is priceless because it's unique to you. So if you want to cultivate more your inner strengths, to feel strong emotionally, spiritually, energetically, mentally, to become the rock star of your life, yeah, join me at my next workshop. And thank you so much. Thank you so much to be here with you right now. Thank you so much. That was amazing as well. It was incredible. I mean, it really touched my heart, the, the points that you talked about, um, taking responsibility and becoming your uh, authentic self and uh, taking care of yourself is really important. As much as we have responsibilities as mothers, I think uh, we have to balance. There is a source of balance there, but um, we, we do need to really find that inner strength in ourselves in order to deal with all the challenges that we face. And, and also we need each other, I feel. It's a really important aspect that we shouldn't forget as women, we need each other to support each other as sisters, as friends, and really be there. And also sometimes surrogate mothers, you know, we need um, that kind of support system around us. So thank you so much for your wonderful um, presentation. Yes, our next presentation is from Linda Houston. She is one of our wonderful core members of organizing this um, the whole webinar. She's been really motivating and pushing and encouraging and really there to get this uh, webinar uh, to the forefront. I'm very grateful I had the opportunity to work with her and uh, she's really a wonderful person. Uh, she has a first class degree in international relations and sociology. This is just strategic studies and management. Linda has a keen interest in international security and finding innovative, innovative solution to social problems. Linda is the founder of her brand, Inner Wellness Women, Woman. Recently, Linda was appointed as the Vice President of Women's Federation Sweden. Linda lives in Sweden together with her charismatic Brazilian husband, her energetic uh, son, uh, a year and a half old, and she is a daughter uh, to a Swedish mum and an American father. So over to you, Linda. Thank you so much, Mitzi, for such a wonderful introduction. I'm so happy to be here and to share some of my experiences with you and my thoughts on this topic. So yes, I am Linda Houston. As was mentioned, I'm a Swedish-American woman um, married to a Brazilian husband, Gustavo, and I have a 21-month-old son, Oscar, which basically means he's almost two and he's in his terrible twos <laughs> already, um, living in Malmö, Sweden, which is my hometown where I grew up. I'm a wife, mom, network marketer, wellness enthusiast, founder of Inner Wellness Woman, and the vice president of WFWP Sweden. I'm also an idealist, a creative, and I just love helping people on their transformative journey. And I'm very much on my own transformative journey as well. So let me give you 
the background to my motherhood story, uh, I guess you could call it. So after being married for six months and halfway through my master's degree, I found out that I was pregnant. And when you find out that you're pregnant, especially when it's a surprise, a whirlwind of emotions begin to ensue. And so many questions just whirl around in your head. Things like, you know, what will the birth be like? Should I give birth at home or at the hospital? Water birth? Um, what will the, you know, um, where should we stay in Scotland where we're staying at the, the time? Or should we move back to Sweden? What kind of mother will I be like? What kind of father will my husband be like? What will my child be like? And um, you even go 20 years into the future thinking, you know, what kind of person will my child become? And how can I support um, my child's development? And what school should he go to? Um, and, and all these things. And of course, what about names? And how do you change a diaper anyway? Uh, the mind just goes down this thought spiral without end and you're faced with an ocean of uncertainties. You wish you had a crystal ball to take a sneak peek into your future to know what to expect, but you can't. And how many times have you felt that? You just wish you had that crystal ball to just see what's, what's going to happen, but you can't. So after about a week of my husband and I just digesting this information, this huge news, uh, kind of zoned out on the couch uh, with curtains drawn and TVs playing, um, but they were, or TV shows playing, but they were in the background to these thoughts that were in our, our heads. And um, so you could say that we took our own self-isolation period before that kind of thing was trendy. Um, so afterwards we emerged happy extremely happy and grateful having surrendered to the uncertainty and beauty of the roller coaster that is life and i remember meeting up with a friend um sometime later and maybe i was about three months pregnant so the bump was still not very visible but you could see it if i if i told you that i was pregnant so i told her i was pregnant and her reaction is one i remember very clearly to this day she said really you know you can't take a holiday from motherhood like ever and at the time i i was a little bit annoyed with her reaction that she wasn't just happy for me you know um that she she mentioned this and of course i knew that it was true you can't take a holiday from motherhood but i didn't quite know how right she was until my little one came into the world so motherhood has been the most difficult, most beautiful, most important experience in my life thus far. And I'm so proud of my son and I'm so proud to be a mother. Motherhood is difficult because of the physical and emotional strain that comes with being needed by and caring for a young child, as our speakers before me have mentioned. It is a job that never ends, yet there's little to no recognition besides the occasional kiss or cuddle from your child or perhaps a yearly Mother's Day card, maybe a little bit more, more than that, hopefully. But being a mother doesn't bring in the money. Um, in fact, without a doubt, it puts a pause in the woman's career trajectory and financial earning abilities, at least for a period of time. 
And this sacrifice needs to be appreciated and valued by her family as well as by larger society. Being a mom is important. Being a mom may not be a financial contribution, but it is an extremely valuable contribution. Nevertheless, raising children is important. That financial pause can also be the thing that brings clarity, though it certainly did for me. Before I followed the status quo and kind of followed the path that I thought was expected of me. Now I'm much more clear on what I want and what works for me and the, the path that I need to be following. The Linda that I was before my child was born is very different from the Linda I am now mm. as a mother. So I personally have found network marketing, which allows women to earn a great living while being able to manage their time flexibly. In fact, women tend to excel in this industry more than men. You can work from home and be your own boss and be there for your children when they need it. There are so many options on how to earn a living today uh, that don't necessarily follow the traditional way of earning a living. Um, which in my opinion that traditional way of trading your time for money is becoming obsolete and especially now in corona times people are so much more open to other possibilities so especially if you're a mom i encourage you to look into what is out there and what is possible for you and i would be happy to talk to you if you have any questions about this so in relation to the topic this afternoon motherhood has in many ways introduced me to womanhood it's made me more of a woman and more proud of being a woman. Giving birth has been the single most empowering experience in my life. The pregnancy preparation, I remember I, you know, I was really conscious on the foods that I was eating because I wasn't just, it wasn't just about me anymore. I was growing a human. So, um, and not only that, I really made the effort to feed my mind with positive things. Um, and I started meditating for the first time. And after birth, the days after giving birth, I was enraptured with this deep feeling of love and awe for my newborn baby, absolute terror, knowing that I was responsible to take care of this little tiny helpless creature. And what I want to emphasize here, in absolute amazement that I could endure what I endured to give birth to him, because it certainly wasn't easy. And women possess this enormous power unknowingly until the moment of pregnancy and birth. And it has been this way all throughout history. So we are full of so much strength and it's just amazing. So for me, um, today's topic, balancing motherhood and womanhood, as well as work-life balance has everything to do with wellness. And inner wellness woman is all about wellness. So my definition of wellness is that it is a holistic process of well-being that incorporates physical and mental health, spiritual fulfillment, and financial abundance. All four aspects of are linked, and when one is missing or lacking, wellness has been compromised, resulting in some level of pain and suffering. Wellness isn't a point of arrival, but a journey of exploration, experimentation, and implementation to see what works and what doesn't for you to be at your best. Wellness isn't something you can impose onto your everyday routine, like something that you can just prop on top of everything else, uh, because then it can easily become an added stress if you think that 
besides taking care of your child, you also need to do the yoga, you also need to uh, put on the face mask, and you also need to do the, the smoothie and do everything right, um, tick the boxes. Mm. You just can't do that. You need others, first of all, who are invested in your child and in you, who are looking, willing to look after you and your child when you are tired or whatever else is going on. And someone else caring for your child from time to time should not be a source of guilt although it is a lot of time for us Western mothers who think we need to do it all and be it all, all the time. It takes a village to raise a child. It really does. And society should lift this up more, the fact that it is not just the responsibility of the mother or even the parents to care for the child, but there needs to be a tribe of people, relatives, friends who care for you and your child who pitch in. And this is very much part of your wellness as a mom, because there simply aren't enough hours in the day for you to be there for your child and its needs and sleep and eat well and put a face mask on and wash your hair and do yoga. It just doesn't work. But wellness doesn't have to be complicated. It can be as simple as the time alone to read a book or to turn on your favorite song and have a bit of a dance party in the house. That's one of my favorite ways to practice wellness. It can even be to eat a piece of chocolate, which might not be so popular in the wellness sector, but I'm all for that. So ask yourself, what do I need to feel good right now? I started a wellness brand, not because I'm a yoga teacher, nutritionist, or meditation expert, but because I'm someone who's really, really bad at taking care of herself and her needs. From a long line of women who are really bad at identifying taking the actions, demanding what needs to happen for their needs to be met. I began my wellness journey when I started my business and my wellness practices are always evolving, especially since becoming a mom. And I want to give people the permission to not be perfect, to not have everything figured out and all the ducks in a row before you start. And that is what I've done and that is what my brand is all about. It's a journey and it's one we're on together. And finally, I, um, my call to action is this. So find play, curiosity, and experimentation in your life as a woman and as a mother. And that can mean starting a business before you think you're ready to see where it can take you and your family. It can be dropping what you're doing for a few minutes to have an epic dance party at home. Take the load off of your shoulders that things need to be perfect. This is wellness. Find your tribe of people that you can rely on for support because you need it. Don't feel guilty for asking for help. We're all connected, we all need one another. And that you need to do it all by yourself is a terrible myth that needs to be obliterated. Lastly, take the time to make the effort to appreciate the mothers you know, especially those with young children. Show your support by offering to help, taking the time out of your schedule to watch her kids for an evening so she can catch up on sleep or get to do the things that she needs to get done. Ask what she needs right now to feel supported. I'm sure it will mean the world to her. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Linda. That was amazing as well. It was just um, coming to the, the core points of um, really taking care of oneself. I, I also feel I have a daughter who's just had a baby as well, almost similar age as your son, Oscar. 
and she's also really at the point where she's working but also balancing how to take care and nourish her daughter and look after her and the fact that you said that we can have everything but also as long as it's in 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 some uh, some balance and also that you have a support system around you to really um give you a break as you say and to really pursue what you are able to do and i feel as mothers we shouldn't be limited and mothers shouldn't be shunned or looked down on their their work is incredible they are raising up the second and the, the future generation who will really shape the future of our, our for us anyway on that point i would like to um uh, invite our next uh, wonderful speaker. She's a, a dear friend of ours, Roske Heseltine. She's an internationally recognized mother-daughter relationship therapist and teaches online mother-daughter attachment trainings to uh, courses for therapists and coaches. Uh, Roske is the author of uh, the bestseller, The Silent Female Screen, and the mother-daughter puzzle. Actually, I've purchased her books and they're just absolutely wonderful. And I would recommend, if you can, um, get those books. It's really helped me to think in a different way. Thank you, Mitty. Uh, absolute honor to be, be with you all today. And um, all the speakers, I, I, you know, I, could, I was jotting down tips and ideas of what you were saying and, and particularly Linda something just that you said really rung with me in terms of my work and what I'm going to say and what I what you know what I've discovered is you come from a long line of women that struggle to know what they need I'm afraid that is a universal theme for us and and I'll be you know talking about that um, throughout my my talk so being a mother a woman and myself. Um, firstly, a little bit about myself, you know, yes, thank you for the introduction, Mitty. Um, I'm actually originally from New Zealand. Uh, so I was born in New Zealand. My parents were Dutch, immigrated to New Zealand just, be just before I was born. Um, my degrees, uh, my graduate degrees from America, where I moved to when I was 30, and then we and the kids, my partner and I and the kids went to live in England for 14 years, which is where I started my practice working with mothers and daughters. And now I'm in New Hampshire, America. Um, so being a mother, a woman and ourselves, being ourselves is, and a mother, it's just such a key, it gets to the heart of who are we and what's our identity as women? What do I feel? What do I need? What do I desire? And all the speakers have actually you know, talked about those questions. What do I need? What do I feel? What do I desire? And those questions, I think, are key to not only identifying and living in who we are as women, because as, you know, it, as a mother, often that, and, and a patriarchal society, in a sense, erases the identity of the mother far more than the identity of the father. When a man becomes a father, he is still a man. He is still himself. When a woman becomes a mother, she is a mother. And her identity becomes erased. And, and in my work, what I think, what I see 
is that actually knowing who we are is key for our mental and emotional well-being. It's key to knowing our voice, our truth, a sense of self-worth. And I think the loss of our voice and the loss of our truth and, or, and, and learning to think always, what, do, what does other people, what do other people want? What do our kids want, our husband want, our friends want, our mother wants, what everybody else wants is actually often leads to depression, anxiety, eating disorders. Because we've in a sense lost ourselves. And this question is also key for the mother-daughter relationship. The mother-daughter relationship is a mirror reflection. What happens between mothers and daughters is a mirror reflection of how much women in their family, generationally, say, what do I need? What do I feel? What do I think? What do I desire? So in my work with mothers and daughters, one of the very early questions I ask, say if I'm working with a daughter, and usually I'm working with daughters 18 and older, so most of my, daughter, my daughters are adult daughters. I say, describe your mother as a person outside of her role as a, as, as a mother or as a daughter. Who is she? And most often, daughters can't answer that question. They just see mom as mom. They, they don't know who, they can't describe mom as a woman. And then I ask her, who are you? That's not a mom, that's not a daughter. And again, they struggle often to answer that question because they see themselves through roles, through the eyes of what other people want them to be, rather than through their own eyes. And I ask, how did your mother say what she felt, what she needed, what she desired? How do you say, how, what do you feel? What do you need? And when I'm talking about needs, I'm not saying I need a massage, I need to, I need to go to a yoga class, all that is great. I'm talking about emotional needs. Like for example, I didn't feel somebody heard me the other day. I need to come back to that. I felt dismissed. You know, that sort of level of being visible in relationships. Often that language is missing. And it's, if you look generationally, and particularly in my family too, for our mother's generation and for our grandmother's generation, that language did not exist. It literally did not exist. And I believe that's why I think this topic and today we're at the forefront of huge change because this language is, is waking up. There's a, there's a growing collective consciousness around what do women need emotionally? What do we feel? What do we desire? And, and claiming back our own voice. One of the things I write about in the uh, Mother-Daughter Puzzle is a woman who knows what she needs cannot be controlled. I think there's an enormous amount of truth to that, because if we know what we need, we are in a sense standing firm in our own shoes, is you know, one of the things that I talk about. We stand in our own shoes, we, we know what's behind our own eyes, and we're more visible in our relationship, and we're less vulnerable to being manipulated, to being controlled, to being told what to do. Because knowing what we need, we still have our own voice. We're still, we're present, we're visible, both in our relationships and also in our work. 
Um, so I, I want to read you just a little bit, a, a, a short quote that I write in, um, this is the mother-daughter puzzle, which came out 11 years ago, 12 years ago, something like this. But anyway, what I write about here is when I was pregnant 35 years ago, so it's a while ago, um, there was a, a moment of awakening that I had. And this is what I write. I became aware of an overwhelming feeling of being trapped in a life that was about waiting for others to be ready and fitting around everyone else's routines and needs. With horror, I saw my future identity and purpose being taken over by motherhood, that I was turning into my mother and my grandmother, mm. who had disappeared from view as they molded their lives around the lives of their children and husband as selfless servants. And in my family, selflessness and sacrifice was a badge of honor for the women in my family. It wasn't only a career I was waving goodbye to. So remember 35 years ago, New Zealand, women did not, if you were pregnant, it's bye-bye to Korea. Um, that was only 35 years ago. Things have changed, thank goodness. So it wasn't only a career I was waving goodbye to, it was my life in which I existed as my own person. Fear gripped my throat so tight, I had difficulty swallowing. I gulped an ear to quieten the feeling of suffocation. What would become of me, the person I was before I had children? What would become of the dream of being the kind of woman who was in charge of her life, who didn't defer her decisions and choices to anyone else? All around me were mothers whose entire identity had been consumed by motherhood, were having anything of your own that wasn't about meeting your family's needs was viewed as being selfish. Things have changed, but not as much as I'd like, because I still believe this, converse, this, this last sentence, you know, we're having anything of your own that wasn't about meeting your family's needs was viewed as being selfish. That's still there. We still live by that belief, which is a silencing of women belief. It will silence you. And I think the word selfish needs to have a ceremonial burning, quite frankly, because it will silence women very easily into doing what other people, what, what, what other people need them to do and abandon themselves. So I've worked with mothers and daughters for over 25 years. And I actually started working, I was one of the early ones starting to work. I mean, everybody's now on Zoom and, and, and all that. But I started working with mothers and daughters um, internationally through Skype as soon as Skype got invented, which I can't remember how long ago that was, but that was a while ago. And through that, it was, it was so amazing because I wasn't, I, I wasn't just seeing women who lived around me, I was actually listening to mothers and daughters from other cultures, which taught me a phenomenal amount. And, and I could see the differences, but I could also see the themes that were running through mother-daughter relationships and through women's lives that are universal. So through this work, I've developed the mother-daughter attachment model, which has three solutions. Um, the first one, which I think is the most important, is 
mothers are people first. This, I mean, the, the other two is mother-daughter relationship is lifelong. It isn't just about mother with baby, mother with adolescent daughter, mother with, you know, daughter with, say, elderly mum. It is lifelong. It's three-generational. And it's also a history lesson. What happens through mother and daughter tells the story of what's been going on for women within, for generations in that family and within the culture and within society. But in this, but for, for, for now, we're looking at mothers being people first. And one of the exercises of the mother-daughter attachment model is mapping your mother-daughter history. Um, for, for those of you who are therapists, um, it's, it's an adaptation of doing a genogram or a, the family tree, where I, which I've been you know, taught as a therapist. Um, but very early on, I just was so frustrated with, with that exercise because it felt it still silenced the women's voice and the women's emotional reality. So I threw out the rules and created a new way of mapping the mother-daughter history where you, you'd be the daughter if I was mapping your mother-daughter history. You're the daughter, your mother, your grandmother. Right in the middle. And it's only about understanding what's the emotional reality for women in your family. So after we've talked about the stories of what's happened in your, your life, your mother's life and your grandmother's life, we then start looking at what's been going on emotionally. And through that, you find out what's, what's happening between the mother and daughter. But you also, particularly, you look at were women heard or emotionally silenced in the family? How are women supported or are women not supported? Or do they all do all the supporting? What gender roles and are normalized within the family and how are women impacted by those gender roles do they support women or are they limiting a woman's voices and women's choices and women's power and at the end of the exercise we do a roadmap for change in terms of challenging some of the sexist and limiting gender roles and helping mothers and daughters find their voice so that mothers and daughters are not just, they can rate as mother and daughter, but as women. So one of the things we look at is the cultural female service. And I write a lot about that in the mother-daughter puzzle. So I just want to read to you just a short extract in terms of what is the cultural female service. Because I, I really think that's why I created the name cultural female service, because it, it's, it's a combination of beliefs that really need to be named. So the cultural female service is not limited to a particular culture or economic class. Even though women are gaining power and visibility in many countries around the world as prime ministers, presidents, well, America not so much yet, fingers mm. crossed one day maybe, um, leaders of industry, emotionally, we are still very much wedded to the belief that it is a woman's role to be of service and that service to everybody else, not service to themselves. Motherhood particularly is still prone to, to being de demarcated as a selfless sacrificial role. Mm. From long before our grandmother's day, women's lives have been regarded as an all-consuming caregiving role that doesn't allow women an identity of 
their own. What women need has not, hasn't had a voice because historically women have been treated as listeners rather than speakers and care providers rather than caregivers. And that's true. Historically, women have been treated as listeners rather than speakers, care providers rather than care receivers. And that thinking is, needs to change. So we need a paradigm shift. And the fact that we're sitting you know, here talking about it means the, the paradigm shift is happening. Women, mothers and daughters deserve to be treated as people first because without that, we have no dignity. Without that, we don't exist, actually. We don't exist within ourselves, behind our own eyes. What I've seen, and particularly, I think, since the Me Too movement um, began, is that adult daughters are bringing their mothers into therapy because they don't want to repeat the same patterns of emotional silence, um, sacrifice, self-effacing behavior that they see that their mother suffered from. They want to know their mother as a person. They want to have that deep relationship of who they each are, a more of a woman-woman relationship, which you, you can be a mother and adult daughter and a woman-woman relationship both at the same time. And daughters are seeing that how patterns of self, self, you know, selflessness, sacrifice, but also, you know, patterns of violence. And also, it also depression, because it's all, all these dots are connected, are repeated from grandmother to mother to daughter, because in a sense, they're normalized. Mm. As I said at the beginning, there is a new language of what do women emotionally need? What do we feel? What do we think? What do we want? What do we desire? Is starting to grow into the collective consciousness. We're becoming, that language is starting to be spoken. And so what I would suggest, one of the things that I get my, my clients to do is at breakfast every morning. And, it, and this actually exercise fits beautifully with all the other speakers. With breakfast, get a journal because often you have to give, make yourself, I mean, I do this too, you have to make yourself accountable. What do I need today? And as I said, you know, earlier on, it will be, yes, I need to take a walk. I need to, to, to you know, have a massage. I need to spend five minutes, you know, meditating. And especially if your life is busy, absolutely. Really valuable. But over time, like with the muscle that you haven't used for, for very long, you'll start thinking, ah, oh, yeah. That, didn't, that conversation I had yesterday didn't feel very good. Or I didn't actually say exactly what I really meant to that person this morning or yesterday morning. I need to come back to that. So that, and when you start journaling that, you become more real to yourself and you will therefore become more real in your relationships. And you take also less responsibility for the people who feel threatened by you being real. You become more aware of the social conditioning of how women are silenced on a day-to-day -day basis and 
and new normal develops. So, thank you. If you need more information, um, go to roshka.com, R-O-S-J-K-E. Um, I have uh, copies of my articles. I blog for the American Counseling Association uh, on a monthly basis. If you want to read those, there's a link to that. Videos, um, also link to my, my books. Um, Motherdaughtercoach.com. If you're, if you're a therapist or a coach and you'd like to specialize in mothers and daughters, um, this is, I'm developing a growing community of international coaches and therapists who specialize because it is a marginalized, yeah, there's a whole, we're going to talk a whole hour about how this relationship is marginal, it's still marginalized. So I, I, I'm, I'm developing a referral list where mothers and daughters get, can get help through, you know, training therapists. Also, if you work for an NGO or a charity, if you work with women and girls, the mother-daughter relationship and understanding generational patterns is key. It's actually, I think, at the heart of empowering women and creating generational change and a new, new way, a, a new world for women where women have an equal voice, equal power, and are fully visible. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Roske. That was also another wonderful presentation. I could really resonate with uh, what you were saying about mother and daughter, but I can, it really reminded me myself of my own mother. Uh, she has seven children, but she was kind of swallowed up by the children in a sense. She kind of disappeared. Didn't really know my mother as in her own right, as who she is and what she represents, but of course we never forget what she has transferred to us as children, you know? Mm -hmm. She lives within, within us and hopefully I can transfer what she could give to me, to my own children and my children to my, our grandchildren. It is a really vital um, area of responsibility. And um, I, yeah, I could very, very much kind of relate to what you were saying um, I, I would like to also myself explore this mother-daughter relation, um, relationship because myself, I have three daughters and a granddaughter and it's all kind of impactful. Um, not to say that uh, the fathers and the husbands and the brothers are not important. They are very important as well in our lives. We need always the balance between the two genders. But um, yeah, we want to really go forward on, and... Uh, empower ourselves more internally spiritually mentally so that we can become much more emerge to who we should be as women and uh, now uh, we are coming to the point of um, having questions and answers thank you everyone they were fantastic sort of insights into your journeys as mothers and women and how you sort of you know yeah dealt with the challenges that have come with that um, the committee was speaking before we came on earlier as well um, and I would love to just sort of continue that in the sense of recognising obviously uh, the death of Ruth Davis Ginsburg, Ginsburg today and you know, appreciating all that she was able to do to forward the role of women in society and hopefully we'll be able to pick up the torch and carry on with that from this point which is good. 
Um, there was a question quite early on in the chat which came through which I actually think is quite relevant. So our topic today is balancing motherhood and womanhood and the question was what about wifehood? And I'd love to just open that up to the panel because do you, do you think there should be a third sort of subsection within this discussion or do you think that that, is, that falls under womanhood and motherhood? Yes. I, I actually think we do need to talk about wifehood as well, because I think just like within motherhood, we can lose our voice within wifehood as well. After all, we do still have in most areas of the world a patriarchal society where men, men's voices, men's needs are elevated above women's voices and for women's needs. So actually everything we've spoken about today, I think applies to wifehood as well, in terms of developing the female voice. Um, in the mother-daughter history mapping I do, again, so that, that understanding, you know, how did, how did the men in the family treat the women? Did they listen to them? Did they emotionally support them? And, and generationally I found that men were not taught to think that way. Men have not been taught to think they need to support women. They need to listen to women. So actually, yes, uh, I think we, it's a very, very important topic to talk about. Brilliant. I'm just going to go down the line. Linda, any thoughts? Yes, I absolutely agree with what Ruskia just said there. Um, because, you know, for many women, myself included, um, wifehood is something that you deal with as well. You know, you, you are a mother, you are a career woman or, you know, whatever else you are, um, but you may also be a wife. And it's all about balancing the roles that you, that you have in your life. You know, you're also a daughter, you're also a um, colleague or friend or, you know, so... Uh, whether we like it or not, we are juggling all those different roles. And so, so yes, it, it definitely should be taken into account, I think. Um, but at the same time, I also want to bring up this, um, this idea that kind of has been talked about in, I think, all of the, the talks today, that the idea of balance, in a sense, um, doesn't really exist, you know? Um, we have to juggle these roles, but creating a sense of equilibrium or balance between them seems unattainable. I, I don't think that exists, you know? So, so um, in the sense of wifehood playing a role, yes. And in the sense of the husband playing a role, um, yes. And like what Ruski was saying, uh, men, they don't necessarily, a lot of men at least, um, were not taught or raised maybe to, 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 to listen to women. So, um, yeah, so in short, yes, it's something that should be considered, considered, but perhaps not the, the word balance, I think, again, might be wrong. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Beautiful. Um, Gail, your thoughts? Um, I do agree uh, with those of speakers. I would say that it's a very interesting topic because I do believe that wifehood is really a question 
to create a relationship with yourself, but a relationship with your husband as well. And I agree with Rogne that men do not know how to support women. It's again for us to show them how they can support us every day. And it's another work for us to do. Um, because from my experience, I, I saw it with my, my husband. And this is where you can see all this um, limiting belief, unconscious barrier showing up, especially when you start to show up as a powerhouse in your business career and life. So I believe it's really a question of um, compassion and love and to give themselves the benefit of the doubt because most of the time they're completely unaware of the behaviors and patterns. Not in a bad way, <laughs> not in a bad way. Um, but yes, why food is another subject, um, I would say art subject that is really worth uh, to delve into it. Wonderful. And lastly, Maria. Maria, did I say that right? Yeah, Maria. Thank you. Well, I think I agree with the other speakers that wifehood is a very important subject. But I also agree with Linda that it's, it's not really about trying to find the perfect balance between motherhood and wifehood and being a woman, because they are all connected. Having a good husband-wife relationship makes you a better mother. And it also helps you to have a more fulfilling life. And, uh, and also I feel like when you focus on yourself as a woman and really listen to that, that inner voice as the, our first speaker who's not here with us, the, I forget her name, I'm sorry, <laughs> that she was saying Gemma. that you start learning what you need because how could my husband support me in what I need if I don't know what I need? Then I've, like, if I can't communicate what it is I need, then he's just moving through the dark, not knowing what to do. Absolutely. Now that's a very good point. You do need that flow of communication between both parties for anything to sort of grow and develop. And it does feed into the three different aspects of that sort of field. Yeah, really, really interesting. Um, and just because we're short on time, the next question I want to throw out to you, um, we'll start with you, Maria, as well. Can you tell us one thing that having children has made you appreciate the most about your work or your career? I guess it's because uh, I've kind of worked in several different things, but for me, it's more that my career, what I'm doing is impacting the world now and it's setting the stage for the, where they're going to grow up, the society they're growing up in, the, the family culture they're growing up in, that they see mom is doing something that she is passionate about and happy about. And then just growing up in that culture, I feel like that has made a big impact. Fabulous, thank you. And Linda? Yes, um, well, I mean, motherhood has taught me so much um it's i think the main thing has been this faith aspect that i kind of was talking about at some point in my speech the fact that you don't you can't look into the future you don't know what's going to happen in the future you have to let go of control um that definitely is a big part of being a mother and being a parent in general because just like Gemma said in the beginning 
it's messy. Parenthood is messy. Life is messy, you know? So it's, it's letting go of this idea that things have to be perfect. And um, that relates to career as well. It's, it's, you know, for me, I don't think it's, it's not as much about career, but it's about discerning what it is you want in life. Like how, how do you want to contribute? What are your desires? And it may not be the traditional like career path, but you can show up today as the person you want to, you know, you don't have to wait for anybody else to give you permission. Mm. Thanks. And finally, Roshka. Thanks. Yeah. So obviously as a mother daughter therapist and my daughter was instrumental, but uh, my, my, I had a son, my first child was, was, was Ben. And I think my journey in a sense in, in understanding that actually I have needs of my own too, because I came from a family of clearly of, you know, women that had that and no awareness at all that women have that, that needs even exist. Um, so having Ben actually was the beginning. Listening for what he needed made me aware that, oh, maybe, you know, I, I have needs as well. And then when Olivia was born, I, I, and I write about that, I think it was son of my scream, I had this huge awakening, I realized I needed, I absolutely needed to get my, you know, become aware of what's been going on. So I didn't pass on what was on, you know, what hadn't worked for women in my family to her. And still today, my kids are in their thirties and they're, I st they're still teaching me about how to see life differently and to, how to see yourself differently. So, I, I mean, I just love speaking with them because they always show me a different, just a different perspective on something. And I think, oh, yeah, you're right, yeah. How did I not know this, you know? So, yeah, so they're, they're still, I'm still, Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you got something out of it, please share it with your friends, family, somebody you think would benefit from the message. And I hope to see you in our next episode. Bye.